and welcome to this week's episode of the Relatable Mama podcast presented by Anchor Behavioral Consulting. I'm your podcast host, Anna Richardella, and I am a mom of two boys, two and under, a wife, board-certified behavior analyst, and the owner of Anchor Behavioral Consulting. It is my passion to help other parents feel supported and seen, and I hope that by listening to this podcast, you are able to learn something new or just feel like you're not alone. Let's get into this week's episode. All right. Thank you for joining the Relatable Mama podcast. We have Gina from Play by Day Pediatric Therapy Services with us today. So Gina, can you introduce yourself? I can. Hi, my name is Gina. I am an occupational therapist. I work at Play by Day in Marlboro. Um, I, a couple things about myself. I did my undergrad at Stockton University, and then I got my master's at Salus University for master's in occupational therapy. So yeah, it's a little bit about me. Amazing. And tell us a little bit about what you guys do at Play by Day. So at Play by Day, we have a great team of OTs that works with children of all ages. Um, we help children develop um, different skills, whether they're gross motor skills, fine motor skills, sensory, social skills, to help them become more independent in their daily lives. Um, another thing that um, OTs really focus on and hone in on are our sensory systems. So I know everybody's familiar with the main five sensory systems are hearing, sight, touch, smell, and um, what am I missing? Taste. Let's see. Taste. There we go. Um, what a lot of people don't know is that we have a lot of other sensory systems too. There's, so there's a total of eight sensory systems. Um, the really big ones for OT are our proprioceptive system, our vestibular system, our tactile system, and then there's auditory processing system as well. So I'll go into a little bit about each sensory system. Perfect. We will start with our proprioceptive system. This is a big one. So this system helps us process information from our environment, um, helps us process whatever we are feeling through our movement, um, through our muscles and our joints. So this sensory system helps us determine the amount of force or pressure that we um, put into our daily movements, okay. whether it's crawling, climbing, moving around, things like that. So in each sensory system, children can either be under-responsive or over-responsive. So that under-responsiveness is really that sensory-seeking behaviors. So for example, this system, if your child is under-responsive and proprioceptive system, they can be often seeking out that proprioceptive input, such as always touching things, always moving around, um, constantly wanting cuddles and squeezes and things like that. Um, and then on the other hand, if your child is under-responsive, um, I'm sorry, over-responsive, it's more of that defensiveness, avoidant behaviors. So they really prefer to just sit still. They don't really seek out that movement. Um, they can seem uncoordinated. Um, yeah. Okay. Like that. Do you have any questions about this one system? Yeah, so what are some things that you would recommend that parents can kind of help children with if they are either under-responsive or over-responsive with proprioception? So a lot of at-home tips and tricks to provide that um, just right amount of proprioceptive input at home could be anything like climbing a rock wall at a playground, could be crawling through tunnels, um, Let's see, any sort of jumping, crawling, any sort of heavy work movements. So having your child help you carry grocery bags, help you move a laundry basket, use a weighted blanket, even moving that weighted blanket, and things like that. So those are some really good things to provide that proprioceptive input at home. And I love that you touched on things that 
so many of us probably already have at home. So you Definitely. don't have to go out and get anything nope. to do these. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, so we'll move into the vestibular system. This okay. is another big one for OT. Um, this system helps us detect any changes in our head and body position um, all through the inner ear. So any really change in that head position, whether it's jumping, rocking, swinging, spinning, things like that. Again, children can be under-responsive in the system, so more of that sensory-seeking behaviors. They love to jump, they love to rock, they love to swing. Um, they're always, always moving, always seeking that head position, head change in their environment. Um, and then on the other hand, children can also be over-responsive with this system as well. So they might have something called gravitational insecurity, where they feel a sense of insecurity whenever their feet are off the ground, and they don't okay. really seek that jumping or falling movements. So, um, yeah. Any questions about this system? I just know that I see a lot of kiddos who seek vestibular input. Definitely. So we definitely love the swings and definitely. that's a really, really big one. And um, maybe we'll get into this a little bit more lately, uh, later, but I think I remember speaking to another OT about um, that this could be something and it might actually go back to proprioception as well, but no, I lied. <laughs> we'll get to it in a little okay. bit. Okay, <laughs> no problem. All right, no problem. go but for it. Again, um, things that you can do at home, swinging, rocking, um, anything like that. So again, you don't need to go out, buy anything. Right. This can all be um, at home. At home activities. Actually, so yes, since you said at home, <laughs> um, one of the tips that I really love is if you don't have a swing at home or yeah. you don't have something like that, um, another OT had recommended like wrapping your child up in a towel and that. swinging them back I and love forth. That. And yep. I think that that's amazing, especially for families who might not have Definitely. the space for a swing or something like that. It's just something that we can do at home too. Yeah, wrapping up in a towel, a blanket, any sort of rocking and swinging. I love that. That's a great idea. Okay, we'll move on to our tactile system, another big one for OT. Um, this system helps us process information in our environment through our sense of touch. So this also helps us grade pressure, um, discriminate between t um, pain, temperatures, things like that. So again, if children are under-responsive, more of that sensory-seeking input, um, they will tend to seek out different textures, always touching other people, always touching other things. They love messy play, they love playing in sensory bins, um, grass, sand, all of that stuff. And then on the other hand, if they are over-responsive, which is more of that avoidant defensiveness, um, there's something called tactile defensiveness, which is they're just very defensive to any sort of textures. They really don't prefer any type of messy play. They might become dysregulated if their hands are wet, sticky, dirty. Um, they also might become dysregulated when, with clothing, um, prefer to have their tags cut off on their clothing. I know that's a big one. Um, yeah, so some ways, again, that we can provide tactile input um, for our kiddos at home is through really just playing with different toys with different textures, whether they're, I know a lot of those books have like different things that they can touch, right. um, whether it's smooth surfaces, rough, bumpy surfaces, things like that. Another big one is making sensory bins, which is also another easy thing to do. A lot of things that we do at Play By Day, we like to dye rice. Yes. And use that as the medium for our um, sensory bins. Kids love it. 
So that's a great one. Crawling on different surfaces or textures like grass, playing in sand, things like that. So I think it's really important that how you brought up just playing in different textures because I think something that maybe our parents or grandparents had a difficult time with or do have a difficult time with as grandparents is when children get dirty and I know that I've seen with my own kids and with um, some of the families that I work with that there's people that are constantly wiping kids faces when they're eating or when their hands get dirty they have a really hard time like letting kids play outside in dirt and grass and they're like what if they put it in their mouth or something like that do you have any kind of feedback or suggestions for how to work through that with other family members that might not understand why we're doing that I would just honestly explain to them that this is how children develop their sense of touch um, and explore different textures through however they play. Messy plays okay. It's not um, ideal for a lot of, I know parents, grandparents, <laughs> a lot of people don't give children certain things because they don't want to make a mess in the house, they don't want to stain this, they don't want to get their clothes dirty, but honestly through an OT lens having them participate in that messy play is really, really beneficial to be able to develop that sense of touch and be able to become self-regulated, um, work through that tactile defensiveness if, that, if that's there, and things like that. So yeah, I encourage messy play. <laughs> I agree. I think it's really helpful. And Definitely. I think one of my favorite things as a parent is when my kids do come home super messy yeah. is I know that they have been pushed to be independent and that they have been experiencing messy yeah. play and you know that they've been able to work on all of different skills throughout the day. So Definitely. get yourself a good stain remover and it won't <laughs> be a problem. <laughs> yep. Okay, we will move on to a couple other sensory systems um, might be a little more familiar with you. So our visual system. This helps us identify and understand what we're looking at, what we see in our environment. Um, So again, if a child is under-responsive with our visual system, they might love looking at spinning objects, love looking at flashing bright lights, and then on the other hand, if they're over-responsive, they might be bothered by bright lights. They might cover their eyes, bothered by sunlight, and things like that. Okay. Let's see. And then we have, oh, a big one, interoception. This system allows us to determine whether we um, can tell if our body's hungry, if we need to use the bathroom, if we're feeling certain feelings, like things like that. So um, if we're under-responsive in this system, we might not know when we need to use the bathroom. A lot of accidents would happen for this. Um, We might not be able to determine whether we're hungry at this time or not. So we often have to be reminded if to eat or to drink, um, things like that. So So something that OT can work on is determining what we're feeling in that state and how our body would feel. Um, If we were hungry, if we needed to use the bathroom and different things like that. If we're tired, sleepy, things like that. This is the one that I was thinking of before um, that I often recommend to parents to seek out OT if their child is having a tough time potty training and they've had multiple opportunities to potty train and it hasn't gone well and they're still having a lot of accidents. This is when I definitely refer to OT because this is, I would say, the sensory system that as behavior analysts we probably know the least about mm-hmm. in terms of how to help yeah. so we yeah. obviously know it's there we know that it's super important Definitely. but that's where I think we would refer to you guys the most Definitely. and um it's something that I think is really super important to be mindful of with kiddos too 
is when we're seeing a lot of challenging behaviors that it could be because they are hungry, thirsty, need to use the bathroom and don't have um, the proper way to communicate that or because they don't understand that sensory need. Exactly. That's a big one. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) And super important life skills as well. Super important. Yep. Definitely. Um, Let's see. We have our auditory system. So this sense helps us interpret what we hear, helps us interpret different sounds in our environment. Um, So some kiddos who are under-responsive in the system might constantly seek out that hearing that sound. So they might be humming to themselves. They might be constantly singing, trying to make noises. Um, They also might have a longer time responding to their name when somebody calls their name or responding to somebody if somebody gives them directions, they might, it might take them a little bit more time to process what they are hearing. And then on the other hand, if they're over-responsive, um, this could look like they are constantly holding their ears when they are very overstimulated in their environment. I know a lot, of, this is big for a lot of kiddos. Yes. Um, I know I, get, I often get overstimulated in noisy, <laughs> yes. crowded environments. So that, that's a very big one. And you could imagine how difficult that is for our kiddos who have limited communication and Definitely. things like that. Um, but I think it's so interesting that you brought up when kids are less responsive to when you call their name. I never yeah. even considered that that would be part of an auditory processing. Processing. Yeah. I'm on a logical level, it would obviously make sense, yep. but you know, really thinking about those other sensory yeah. factors that, you know, we should be looking for in kids that aren't responding to their name. I think that's something that I will definitely think about moving forward. It's a big one. Um, another thing that I wanted just to touch on is that what OTs normally do after they either evaluate um, a child and to try to determine if they are under-responsive or over-responsive in any, any one of these sensory systems, um, and they get to observe the child, we often, what OTs do is create a sensory diet, yes. which is essentially a home program that children can um, perform different daily activities or exercises that provide that just right amount of sensory input um, for, hever, for whoever the, the child is um, in order to help them interpret and process sensory input better. Amazing. Uh, yeah. I know that um, with a lot of our clients, we work with OTs in making sensory diets and coming up with uh, choice activities that kids can do that, that um, would help them to regulate their sensory systems as well. So I think that that's always a great opportunity to collaborate and I think it's something that and let me know if you agree or not it's something that all kids can benefit from not just necessarily kiddos with a diagnosis or anything like that definitely all kids can can benefit from sensory diets or just um getting that sensory input in their daily lives just to help them find that adaptive response and be able to regulate their emotions and their bodies throughout the day absolutely it's very important cool Yeah. yeah So that's all of our sensory systems, right? We went through all of those. Okay, so um, some questions that I have that are maybe a little bit more specific to you as a pediatric occupational therapist, what is the age range that you work with? So we see anybody from babies at three months to I believe our, I think my oldest right now is around 12 Okay. But really all ages, we go young to old, we do we really work with children of all ages, which is really, really good. And that's one thing that I love about Play by Day. Um, we get to see children of all ages, whether we're working on 
the little ones working on um, enhancing their milestones, reaching that next milestone, or the older kiddos who are helping, or we're helping them with handwriting, school-based tasks, and things like that. So I love, I love working with all ages. You answered my next question, which is <laughs> what the types of skills are that you can work with. So if yeah. you want to go into a little bit more detail from, you know, three months all the way up through yes. older kids, what you would kind of work on for each age yeah. group. Definitely. So the little ones, of course, are our main milestones. So rolling, crawling, sitting, supported and unsupported, um, pulling to stand, cruising, and then eventually walking. Um, and then a lot of our older kids, we do, we work on fine motor skills, gross motor skills. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> social skills, a lot of emotional regulation as well, which a lot of people I don't think really realize that OT can focus on emotional regulation yes. skills. Um, but that's a big one with, I would say, <laughs> I would say my, whether you're three years old, whether you're 10 years old, a lot of emotional regulation. Um, let's see, a lot of self-care activities of daily living is a big one. So dressing, feeding, toileting, anything like that. So really, it's a big lens. And then again, all of our sensory systems too. Right. Oh. Amazing. Yeah. And so going back to emotional regulation, yes. do you have any specific tools that you like to use for that? We do, actually. We often use the, the it's called the zones of regulation. My favorite. Love it. <laughs> Our kiddos love it. It's fun because we can really adapt it to any activity or really what interests the child. So we have our red zone, which is angry, mad. We have our yellow zone, which is worried, nervous, frustrated. That could be a tricky one for children to understand. But then we have our blue zone, which is sad, sick, bored. And then we have our green zone, which is our optimal state, happy, calm. That's where we want to be. So um, we often use the zones of regulation in different activities with our kiddos, and they tend to respond really well to that. Um, another thing with our older kiddos who are struggling with emotional regulation skills, um, if maybe if they're a little too old for the zones of regulation and the colors, I like to do something called small, medium, big problems. I love so that too. So what's a small problem? A small problem is something that you can solve on your own. You don't really need, need any help. A medium problem is you can s try to solve it on your own, but we might need a little bit of assistance from an adult. And then a big problem, 911, emergency, we really, really need some help. So determining the size of the problem and then finding coping strategies and skills that we can use to solve each problem Great. and to regulate ourselves. Yeah. I really like both of those yeah, strategies. Definitely. Like I said, we use zones of regulation a lot. I love, love that you can adapt it to different characters that kids like. Love it. That's yep. probably one of my favorite things to do is to make some individualized curriculum yeah. for that. Um, I know I've done that in the past week like five times. Yeah, so definitely. definitely something that everyone can benefit from, right? Um, trying to think of if there's any other questions that I have specific to what you do or how OT can be beneficial but I mean I think you really covered it all yeah, great. <laughs> and I so appreciate you coming to talk to us I today. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Say bye. This was a great experience. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Relatable Mama podcast. We would appreciate if you would like and subscribe to our podcast for updates. For more information on how we can support you, check out our Instagram at Anchor Behavioral Consulting or visit our website, anchorbehavioralconsultingllc.com. See you next time.